Well, welcome to the Hunt Back Country podcast. This is episode number 373. And on today's show, I speak with Steve about my recent mountain goat hunt in Alaska. If you guys have been tuning into the previous episodes as they have been released, uh, you've heard quite a bit of talk about mountain goats and you've heard quite a bit of me talking, which is a bit abnormal as I usually like to kind of ask questions and then get out of the way in terms of this podcast. But today, um, you'll hear me again telling another story. So hopefully you're not getting too sick of hearing from me. Uh, But this was Steve and I just sitting down and me telling him the story of the hunt. Um, We just wanted to record that and get it out there for you guys. To go along with the story, I want to tell you guys up front, look for a link in the show description. If you're interested in seeing more, um, including seeing some photos, Um, And also seeing my complete gear list for this hunt and reading a bit about some of the lessons that I learned, um, some of the the kind of the standout gear items, um, which would be in addition to the complete gear list that's all there. So just want to say beyond this podcast, um, check out that link for more resources. And then something that you hear Steve and I mention in this conversation as well is that this hunt was filmed and we don't have a timeline for that or know exactly what that is going to look like yet but our good friend justin nelson of top priority hunting was along on this hunt and did an amazing job kind of capturing this whole adventure Um, so months down the road um, you'll be able to kind of see this hunt play out but in today's podcast it's just me relaying the story to steve and to you guys. So I hope you enjoy it. It was a a truly amazing experience as you'll hear a lot of ups and downs um, and challenges along the way, but I'm definitely very, very grateful for the opportunity and very personally fulfilled coming off of this whole experience. So hope you guys enjoyed the story. Let's dive right in. Steve, so as most Alaska stories do, it kind of starts with travel. <laughs> uh, uh, you mean there might have been have, a delay? Yeah, it wasn't bad though. So yeah, I met, I met, so I guess it would, let me back up and like preface who all was on this trip before I start dropping names throughout the story. So um, myself, my guide is Mark Roanhorst. Um and then Tyler Boschma, which we've talked about, who was obviously a good friend of both of ours, also was your sheep guide. He was coming up um, and guiding with Mark for a few goat hunts, um, of which I was the first. Like, So I'm basically the first goat hunt of that season for those guys. Um, and then Justin Nelson um, from Top Priority Hunting came along uh, to be behind the camera and get some photos and uh, video and stuff like that. So it was the four of us. I met Justin in Seattle Saturday night, and then we were flying from Seattle to Juneau. Tyler was just ahead of us. And uh, I get a text from Tyler as, as Justin and I were traveling together. And Tyler's like, hey, my bags didn't show up. I'm in Juneau. None of my stuff is, but it should be on your flight. So basically his connection in Seattle, his luggage didn't make it. And then um, it was supposed to be on Justin and I's flight. So when we landed in Juneau, 
that was a big question mark, but thankfully all of Tyler's stuff was there. Um, but you know, that's always a little bit of a nerve wracking way to start any trip, of course. Um, yeah, then we had a quick overnight in Juneau, Justin, Tyler, and I all were there, all had our bags. And then the next morning we had a charter flight from Juneau over to Haines. And that was of course delayed, uh, because of visibility. So nothing major. I think we were like four hours. So we still made it out the day we were supposed to make it out. Um, which was Sunday. We were supposed to be in Haines like first thing in the morning though. And it didn't end up getting there till midday. And then part of, part of the issues with the delays and visibility was the Southeast, uh, Southeast Alaska was just getting hammered with storms. So the couple days leading up to us leaving, I just kept getting more and more weather alerts of high winds, heavy rains, flooding, landslides. Uh, the National Weather Service was saying there was an atmospheric river, which I don't think I'd ever heard that term before. The only time I'd heard it is um, just last year up in Alaska. I think they were just talking about an atmospheric river hit the Chugach, I believe, and dumped like 10 feet of snow or something like that. Like it was some asinine yeah. amount of snow in a, in a, you know, couple day period. Yeah. So that was the forecast for here. It was just all, um, all rain, all wet precip. So we basically, you know, a little bit of delays flying, get to Haynes late. There was potential in our plans that we went into the field that night, but both because of the flight delays and then because of the rain that was hitting and then what was forecasted basically any hope of actually getting into the field that night didn't happen so mark runs all of his goat hunts out of a like a cabin that you have for a base camp you know before you pack into the mountain and so we had that place to get to and get settled and sorted and uh, put packs uh, you know put gear together from traveling and all that so that was all good and easy and Dude, even the, it was one of those experiences where even that flight from Juneau to Haines, which is, I didn't time it, but maybe 35 minutes at the most, was so unbelievably gorgeous that right off the bat, you're like, I'm not even there yet. And I haven't started hunting yet, but this trip's already amazing, you know? <laughs> yeah. Um, like I could be done now and be like, have a smile. Yeah. 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 It's crazy. So giant glaciers up in all the mountains just waterfalls everywhere um yeah just so so cool and i kept thinking like even then like the difference between visiting alaska and then hunting in alaska and where my head was going is like haynes for example is a port town so some of the cruise ships will go into haynes and basically those cruise ships take the path on the water that we roughly flied from Juneau to Haines. And it, it was so gorgeous, but I kept thinking it's one thing to see this stuff from like a cruise ship or from a plane. And it's another thing altogether to know that like, we're going to backpack into this country and live in this country and not just observe it from, you know, a mode of transportation. So mm -hmm. I was just super excited, man. Like was so excited to get there and, and get going. Um, so yeah, that, that travel day, um, was pretty uneventful. We kind of took a drive around the area, um, spotted some grizzly bears right away, actually watched a, uh, a bear fish right in the river. 
um, which was just super cool. Justin got some great footage of that. And then, you know, the next full day after being at the cabin ended up being another, another bust, like just this atmospheric river, the storm. Um, we got a report that there was a landslide and it was just multiple inches of rain and high winds and very little visibility. Um, so there was just no point in getting out because it really just wasn't huntable. So it's one of those hurry up and wait, uh, super excited, super anxious, chomping at the bit to get out. But like Alaska, you, at the same time, you just have to stay really patient with everything, um, which can be tough for sure. Like you're coming off this high and ready to go and you just got to sit around. But we had a little, we had a few breaks of visibility from the cabin. And what's super cool is like literally sitting in the cabin with a spotting scope, we could find goats on this mountainside um, when we did have visibility anyway. So it was fun, man, just to be there, like seeing goats straight from the cabin, which wasn't where we were hunting, but just to actually sit there and watch them um, and pack and prep. And so basically the first, the first hunting day, um, was call it day two. Um, and it was, you know, we were all packed up the night before Mark has a boat and the plan was to get to this lake, go across the lake, I think it was between two and three miles and then start climbing the mountain from there. So we had an early, you know, early wake up, uh, hit the road in the dark, get to the lake, um, just putting on the water basically at daylight. And everybody's real excited. The four of us were able to fit in this boat with all of our gear. And the lake itself was swollen outside of its banks from all these storms. So Mark was telling us, he's like, yeah, man, we're going to cross this lake. And there's like this gravel beach over there. Uh, where we tie up the boat, you know, before we start hiking up the mountain and we get to the other side of the lake and what's normally that gravel bar is completely non-existent. The lake's flooded like back into the timber. There's no edge of the lake. The lake goes straight into the woods. Um, so they dropped Tyler and Mark dropped Justin and I off. Um, we basically had to hop out and climb this rock. And we got all the gear out and then Justin and, or sorry, Tyler and Mark literally had to take the boat into the timber to try and find a place to tie it up. And then they had to wade outside the boat and through the water to get back to Justin and I. So um, that was a fun <laughs> little start to the adventure for sure. Um, and then, yeah, from there, it's just, all right, now we're on land, we're hunting but again, like staying patient is just realizing how much work it is to get from sea level to goat country in Southeast Alaska. Um, so it's just a lot of, a lot of brush, um, timber, devil's club, alders, everything's wet, everything's slick. There's zero trails and it's just, yeah, it's a lot of work to get up into the Alpine and get into goat country and, in most places, it's basically at least 2,500 vertical feet of that. Um, some, some places it's higher. How's it compared to Kodiak? Um, you know, the thickest parts of Kodiak exist here. But then in Kodiak, you'll get some of 
more open brushy country, if that makes sense, like the mm -hmm. low lane brush. Whereas mm -hmm. here, it was like either thick choked with alders and devil's club, just like those spots in Kodiak. Um, but outside of that, you didn't kind of have those open brushier pockets. It was either super thick alders and devil's club or kind of more mossy, foresty, jungly timber. Okay. Um, and, and everything is just even steeper than Kodiak. Like Kodiak, yeah. you'll find some, at least in the areas we've hunted, you and I, like, you find some forgiveness where it's like, okay, you come up and there's like a little rest or a roller or a bench. Mm -hmm. um, and here, dude, it's literally vertical. Like there's just, there's nothing. Um, it's just straight up and down. So it was, I don't think Justin knew what he was getting into because, <laughs> <laughs> you know, he hadn't researched this as much as uh, I had obviously. And um obviously what Mark knows and what Tyler researched, like we asked Justin to go, not last minute, but he didn't have as much prep or research into it. And um, I think it caught him off guard a bit, but man, he, he, the whole week, he just did so good. Um, just crushed it. So it was a tough climb. I think, I mean, it was basically, it probably took us a little over four hours um, to kind of get from the lake up to where things kind of start to break open and we can glass and um, be somewhat close to goat country. Um, definitely wet. Like we wore rain gear the whole way up. Um, and that was one thing I tried on this was, so I wore, I wore my rain gear pants and then I wore a very light base layer bottom under those and just flat out didn't wear my hunting pants. Mm -hmm. And I was really glad I did that. Kept my hunting pants dry, but that light base layer, you know, helped keep my skin away from contacting that, that membrane of the rain gear and feeling it's clammy. Mm -hmm. um, and actually really liked that approach. Um, we ended up doing that quite a bit on this trip, especially during the brush and stuff. Gotcha. I was talking to Justin, you know, he's in the office last week and I was like, man, I wonder if yeah. you were to just hike in just some regular pants like it wasn't cold enough that you needed rain pants right um right i wonder if that because he was talking about being super clammy and hot and just it was if you felt restrictive and i totally understand that when you're trying to climb something you know in rain gear um it's like i wonder what that would have been yeah. like if you just had some piranhas that you threw on and by the time you you know three thousand feet later bust through the brush you're done you just got these soaking wet pants you roll them up throw them in a dry bag throw them in your pack and i wonder what that would have been mm -hmm. like yeah. yeah, it was definitely, you wouldn't like, you know, you and I in a lot of areas we've hunted, like you don't hesitate to necessarily get wet because you also know you're going to dry. But mm -hmm. that's one thing I learned in this environment is you can't just count on that. Because um, even if it's not rainy, like if you break above the brush and just go, oh yeah, it's going to be sunny and I'm going to dry out. Like you just don't know that's going to happen. Mm -hmm. And there's definitely be in that coastal mountain range it's just high humidity um like stuff just doesn't doesn't dry out even if it's not quote unquote wet out um so yeah it was it would definitely like to what you're saying be a situation where you get wet in a pair of pants but you definitely want another a dry option pants. right yeah. yeah yeah a dry option yeah so so yeah it was cool man it was um the climb was physically difficult and it had spots that were really thick and nasty it had some water crossings that were tricky um 
but I think because of my previous experience, like in Kodiak and knowing what I was getting into, I didn't find it as hard as maybe I, I think I was going into it, preparing for the worst. Yeah. And because of, I did that, it wasn't as hard as, um, as maybe what I was expecting. But I think if I was like, if I didn't know what I was getting into, I'd probably be like, Oh, this is terrible. Yeah. <laughs> it's funny how, um, how much your mental state comes into play when you get into those situations. Right. If, uh, yeah. Yeah. If you were just thinking, Oh, we're going to hike up there. And yeah, it, like you said, it'd be freaking miserable, but you were expecting misery and it's not so bad. You're like, ah, that was fine. It was cool. We, you know, finally busted out of that and got closer to, uh, probably right under 3000 feet and kind of took a break, started glassing. It didn't take too long to spot a goat. Um, what we thought was a Billy after looking at it for a while, ended up being a, a really good nanny. Um, but it was just in a cool spot, man, like on this cliff ledge with literally a waterfall coming down in the background. So once again, it was just, I was so excited. Like we just did this tough climb. We sit down and basically at our first time we bring out the glass, we spot a goat in, of course, a very majestic setting with like a waterfall and all that. It was, it was freaking cool. Um, so yeah, that ended up being a nanny. It was, it was kind of funny talking with Mark. He had hunted this area just once before, but not spent any time in this country. Basically the client that he took into this area, um, quit. <laughs> like they, they did that climb, which took them all day. And then the, the client flat out was like, I can't do this anymore. I'm done and quit. So Mark was really excited to get into this country and actually be able to spend some time in it. Mm -hmm. And, uh, since we did it in four hours, instead of all day, we got up there with plenty of daylight. And so we, we spotted that goat. We kind of pushed further up, kept gaining elevation, um, kind of got to the base of this bowl or this basin and saw goats up in there. This whole time, the clouds were, you know, we had very mixed visibility. The clouds were just kind of in and out. And, uh, we saw some goats up at the head of this basin, including a billy that was a good looking billy and actually in a pretty dang good position. And we probably had, Oh, this time we probably had like three hours left, um, till sunset. So we had time to make a play and I considered it, but at the same time, I also didn't give it much thought because to me, it was just like, it would have been anticlimactic to just hike up here and shoot something the first night. Like, it was a good billy in a good spot, um, but just the first night and seeing goats right away, it just gave me so much hope for like what was to come and how many goats we'd be able to look over. And I just didn't want to rush into anything or honestly have it be over and that quick. <laughs> um, so yeah, I just decided to not even really make a play on that billy. Um, there were some other goats in that basin but we ultimately decided, Hey, let's leave this. We can always come back to it. And we basically circled around the mountain or started to, um, to, to get to a new basin for tomorrow. And basically once we did this, like we're in country that Mark's never stepped foot in before or seen before. And I told him that before the trip, that was one of the things that him and I talked about was like, I know that he has spots that he takes people into and they kill goats but mm -hmm. i flat out told him like dude i'm 
let's explore. Like if there's a spot you've been wanting to get into, you never have, like, let's go get into it. So it was fun for me, obviously everything's new, but it was also cool, at least for me to give him that opportunity of like, Hey man, like I'm not in a rush to kill ability. I'm not a one and done climber. Like, let's just go and, and find some new country, which was a lot of fun. So it, it, you know, it's, we ended up making camp that night and it, I will say it's, you have to be very, I don't want to say careful or selective. It's just very difficult to actually set up camp there. Um, I mean, even with single man tents, there's just not much flat ground to work with. Um, there's no game trails up there to work with, for example. Hmm. Um, there's just a lot of rocks. There's a lot of vegetation. Um, I don't know if it was just because of the storms that just rolled through, but anything remotely flat was at the same time, incredibly wet, um, and at times standing water. So we ended up, we ended up covering some country, um, and then basically went right up till sunset before we found a place to, uh, throw the tents out. And, um, the view even from that first night camp was just amazing man, just amazing. But uh, it was a good first day. Guys were already a little bit beat up. I mean, that the climb was a little bit tough. Um, it was funny. Justin's hand it wasn't funny. It's funny now. Justin's hand was starting to swell up pretty bad. Um, I'm still not sure if it was Devil's Club or he ran into something else that his skin and his system didn't like or agree with, but his hand started swelling up. And then by the next morning, it was pretty dang big um, his wrist and his hand. Um, so I was a little bit concerned with that of like, not knowing if it was going to get worse, but, um, yeah, went to bed. It was so damp. Yeah. Yeah. Let's, so you're how many days have you got hunting nine days? Yeah. It would have been nine total days of hunting, nine total days of hunting. And we're on night. You missed the first day and this is day two. Now you're up there. This was day two. Yeah. Okay. So day two climbed up, stay the night. Okay. Just getting reference for where we're at in the story. So yeah, it was day two of essentially the nine hunting days. Um, yep. It was good. Good camp that night. It was damp and chilly, kind of barely frosted um, by the morning. Basically when we woke up, we, we were trying to climb into that back basin. Um, that was our target. And we left camp. And I mean, it was a gorgeous morning. Um, definitely a gorgeous morning. That setting, like, just unbelievably, just un- I can't even put it into words how cool it was, like, and how pretty the mountains were. Um, so I'm just waking up, like, just super thankful to wake up and be there. And we start climbing, and dude, I, you know, I had talked like in private pre or pre. <laughs> in previous podcasts, like with Shane about his goat hunts and um, he was saying, you know, crampons were important. And then Mark, the guide said that crampons, not just microspikes, but like crampons would be recommended. And to me, that always sounded crazy, but we, we did a climb that morning out of camp that I don't know it would have been possible without crampons. Like it's just so steep and wet and vegetated that, I mean, every step you took without traction, without additional traction, like you were just sliding. 
Um, and it was like, it was this steep slope that you also just couldn't side hill around it or get out of it. It's like, if we want to get up there, this is the way to go one way up and it, yeah, it was one way up. Um, and so we put the crampons on for the first time and, you know, we joke about Crocs being four wheel drive, but this was like legit four wheel drive. (laughs) Um, it was, it was crazy putting on crampons. So I've yet to strap those on my feet. Yeah. The climb was cool. Um, we ended up crossing like some, some snow and ice after that. So the crampons were helpful for that too, but it was wild just to need crampons to basically climb a, a very grassy hill. Um, so yeah, that back, we, we kind of finally made it to that back basin. Um, just again, like an unbelievable setting, saw a giant toad of a black bear on the opposing side and then ended up spotting two separate groups of goats. Um, each group for sure. One of the groups was two billies. The other group looked like it was probably two billies, but it could have maybe been a billy and a nanny. Um, and they're just on the other side of this bowl. And it's just, it's one of those situations that's so deceiving because they're in sight. And then you're looking at what it would take to get to them. And it's like, this could take us all day just to get over there. And then you're judging, are they even in a spot? And again, like, these are all things I've heard, read, understood about mountain goats. But until you're there and like, see it, it's like finding mountain goats is one thing. Finding killable killable mountain goats is a totally different thing. Mm -hmm. Um, Just the spot that they were into to one, get into shooting range, but two, see if they are recoverable whether they do fall or not. Like even if you anchor one in spot, it's some of these goats were just in spots. It's like, I don't know we can get there or, or get out of there. Or maybe we can get up there, but not get down there. Um, it was just wild, man. Um, so we're in this basin, both the goats are on the far side. Uh, there's basically two different approaches. We can lose at least 1500 feet and then gain it and come up from under them or basically like uh, as we're looking at this basin, the head of the basins to the right and the head of the basin is a giant glacier. And so we were looking at, well, maybe we can get up to the top, um, drop into the glacier, cross the glacier, come around and kind of come around and side hill into them. And um, that was certainly on the table as we sat there and looked the goats over and then there was kind of several just variables to consider there. One is if we would have got over, got to them, got a shot opportunity and been able to recover them, we would not quite be sure how to get out. Like, should we go back the way we came? Should we drop down basically a completely different ridge and come out a different way? And one of the, not hard and fast rules, but one of the things that Mark, the guide likes to stick to is to never go down what he has not come up. Yeah. And in that country, I can really see why he tries to do that. Um, So trying to go out something that he hasn't previously had experience with or come in, you know, he's pretty hesitant to do. So 
we're weighing all that. And then at the same time, we knew going into these couple days that there was another storm system coming and we were getting in reach, you know, updates on weather and things like that. And it basically looked like if we were to stay in this country, the next two days would probably 95% of the next two days would be not huntable. Um, so they were forecasting, basically it was the second wave of this atmospheric river, um, multiple inches of rain, high winds and zero visibility was coming. Um, so long story short, we decided to leave this basin, um, leave those goats. We weren't sure quite if they were approachable, we could do it, but it was, it was a big commitment to try. And we tried to go up and over the mountain to get back to essentially last night's basin. So instead of circling the mountain, which we had done the night before, now we're trying to go up and over the top and then basically come in on the top side of last night's basin um, and make an approach on that billy from night one. We weren't sure if we'd get up and over. Uh, we ended up making it. It was honestly a super fun climb. We saw some other goats along the way. We were within like 70 yards of a nanny and kid that had no idea we were there. And um, yeah, it was just, it was awesome, man. Gotten to the basin from the previous night. Um, saw quite a few goats, a bunch of nannies, a young Billy. Um, and basically last night's Billy was in a different position further away. And then also in a much worse spot to both approach and then a much worse spot to shoot something like really good chance that he would have fell and fell a very long ways. Um, and our approach to him would have had us kind of circle around the head of this basin. And there's a, there's a lot of nannies between us and him. So we definitely would have been pushing goats to try and get to him. Um, so he was just in a pretty unkillable position um, without blowing up the basin. I, it probably wouldn't have worked. Maybe there's that weird chance things would have gone our way, but it just was not a high probability move by any means. Mm -hmm. And honestly, man, like if he was in a good spot, I, I, I would have made an approach, even though it was only, you know, the second hunting day, day three, of the whole trip at this point. Um, you know, if I did tag out at the first part of the trip, we could get that goat out of there. And Tyler had the opportunity to hunt. Um, the two days, it's so weird, man, but just those two days of hunting that we were in there were so fulfilling to me. Um, just based on the country we covered, what we experienced, how many goats we saw. Dude, it was just like, it was two of the coolest days I've had in the mountains. And all of us were loving that country. And again, this was country Mark hadn't been in. And all of us just kept saying, I wish we had the weather to stay in here for three or four more days like both those basins we were in and then once we figured out we could go over the top to cross back and forth between them dude it would have been a blast to camp up high on that top and like basically take our time and check on the billies and those different basins and kind of bounce back and forth and compare them and then mm. you know see what positions they were in and like when was a good time to approach them based on their location and um 
if we had the window to do that weather-wise, it would have been so much stinking fun. Um, so yeah, dude, that, that Billy from, from the basin the night before, which we're now in, was just in a terrible spot. Weather was looking bad. And so all of us were kind of, you know, as a group deciding, do we want to stay in here for two days, but be in the tent for two days? Or do we just want to get out of here, ride the storm out of the cabin and then choose to either come back into this country or explore new country. Um, and as, as much fun as I had in those two days, I mentally wasn't in a spot where I wanted to sit in a tent for two days. Um, I just, what what you mean? that's the best thing ever. <laughs> Dude. So yeah, all of us like collectively talked it through and made the decision. All right, let's bomb off the mountain. Um, it was three hours till dark and we were basically sitting at 4,000 feet. Um, so it was ambitious to try and get off of there before dark, but we just tried to haul butt and at the same time be safe and make it, um, ultimately didn't make it. <laughs> uh, and Mark does, he tries not to have clients out descending stuff in the dark, which again, I fully understand, but, uh, we had an interesting, an interesting night, um, you know, the last hour, probably hour or so, um, navigating in the dark, trying not to get cliffed out, trying to make sure nobody fell. Um, I mean, it was just, I, I hate saying stuff like that sounds dramatic, but it was definitely in a country where someone could have gotten hurt very, very easily. Hmm. Um, but we ultimately made it back to the shore still had to wait across to get the boat uh, and then still had to take that boat ride and complete pitch black dark. The boat has zero light. So we're navigating the lake by headlamp with no reference point. So also having like our phones up for Onyx to try and see where we're at within the lake and, and stay on a course. How, how big's the lake across? Uh, I think it was like two miles between two and three miles. Oh, jeez. I'll have to double check after oh, that. huge. Yeah. Wow. It was like a, it was big. Yeah. I thought you were going to say like 800 ride. yards or something. Yeah. No, like all the way down by headlamp. Like it was, and then that big storm had come through. So Mark was a bit concerned with like debris in the lake. Um, like anything that got swept down into it, trees and stuff. So we kind of putted across that lake by poor headlamp illumination, <laughs> um, but made it out of there. And uh, I think it was, it was probably between nine and 10 o'clock by the time we made it back, um, you know, to the truck and had to load up the boat and drive back to camp. So, um, next day was day four of the hunt and woke up to massively heavy rain and zero visibility. And honestly, it was, it was the right call, um, to be back there unless you just want to sit in tent for two plus days. And it was, it, just, it was just nonstop, man. Like this storm system was nonstop. Um, all of day four, heavy rain, zero visibility. Uh, as I mentioned earlier, there was a mountain we could glass from the cabin. Literally never saw it one time. Um, just sitting around. Like <laughs> it was, I want to say it was tough, but it was better than sitting in a one-man tent. Oh, yeah, um, yeah. So day four was nonstop storm, zero viz, sitting around. 
day five was the same. Like there was a little bit of break in the weather um, for just a little bit. Uh, we got out and took a quick drive just to kind of get out of the cabin, had a little weather window, but where the cabin was, was also, it was like tucked back in from like the inlet and from the water. And so it was, it was more protected from the storms than like the, the hunting areas. Mm -hmm. Um, and we even reached out to some guys over kind of closer to town and, and closer to shore and the weather just was real bad there. The weather was really bad. Um, that whole night, like just all night, I just kept waking up and it was just heavy, heavy rain. So day four and day five was whatever the heck an atmospheric river is. That's what day four and day five was. And it was just a lot of time spent around the cabin. Like I was just looking back at, at my notes, like, uh, on day four, I wrote, I'm not losing hope, but I'm not filled. <laughs> um, and it was dude, by the end of like day five and losing two solid days of the hunt, it was definitely beginning to be a little bit of a mental grind of, you know, this trip that I've waited for for so long and you just want to be out there and you just want to be hunting and looking at goats and seeing the country and to sit in the cabin for two days, it was, it was not easy. Um, so by day six, the morning of day six, it had been a week since I left home and I'd only hunted two days. And when I thought about that, I was like, oh, that's kind of freaking depressing. Um, so the rain stopped that morning on day six. Uh, basically stopped right at sunrise. It rained hard all night, stopped at sunrise. It was kind of clear in blue skies. And we went to leave the cabin early that morning, like just after sunrise. Everybody is high spirits, weather's looking better. And we go to leave and drive um, towards where we were going to be able to hike the mountain. And we're two miles maybe from the cabin and there's a massive landslide um, oh, completely wiped out the only way to get to our hunting area. Um, like it was unbelievable. Like literally a chunk of the mountain just came down and overtook the highway. And there was not a trickle of water, but like a legit river running through a landslide running across the two lane highway. Um, it was freaking it after being cooped up and then like excited to get out and then being two miles away and then seeing that it was like, you've got to be kidding me. So there's already a bunch of heavy equipment there working on it. And so we were hopeful it would be cleared at least partially cleared, like to get one lane of traffic through. Um, we were hoping within a few hours. So we turned around went back to the cabin, um, antsy sitting around, went back out like three hours later to check on the road. And it was still just completely buried. Um, there was basically one spot that we could have went the other way on the road to hunt. Mark gave me that option. Um, but in talking with him, I could tell he was much more hopeful about hunting the other direction. There's a lot more hunt huntable country on the other side of the landslide. And so we checked, it was still closed, but I was seeing some progress. 
Um, you know, and just kind of thought, even if it is a little bit more of a delay, I'd rather be hunting really good country that he's excited about rather than have more time in country that he's not excited about basically. Mm-hmm. Um, so we went out to check midday. It was closed. We went out to check again at like two in the afternoon. It was closed, but we just kind of sat there for a minute because again, we saw more progress. And after like 10 minutes of sitting there in the truck, just like watching them work on this landslide, we see one of the construction crew F-150 snake its way through from the other side, come over to us and wave, like follow me. And they hadn't fully reopened the road yet. There was just enough path to get like a single truck through. And that guy came and like escorted us back through the landslide and we got to the other side. So we finally were able to get through. It's like mid afternoon. We knew, you know, we were hiking that afternoon, but again, another situation where I have to climb 2,500 plus feet um, to get into anything huntable. And it's already mid afternoon, basically day six, um, was another loss in terms of not actually huntable, but at least we're in country now. So we made the big climb. Um, we got camp set up right basically at tree line. We had just a little bit of time to glass before dark. Um, but didn't, didn't see anything. And then basically it was like, okay, fresh start day seven. We're waking up. We're, on the edge of huntable country. Like we just got to wake up and, and get moving. So that was it. Um, I was actually so antsy. I was like up before everybody else and packed up with my tent and hiked up to a glassing spot and, and waited for them. Not that they were being slow by any means, but I was just so anxious. Um, saw a bear from that glassing spot. Those guys caught up to me. Um, just kind of kept doing some more climbing saw um saw a bunch of goats way far down and we were on the edge of country that mark wanted to hunt and it was also you know it gets tough on these mountains there's these avalanche shoots and and all kinds of stuff and it's really easy to glass country in the distance but at the same time you have to be diligent to hunt the mountain you're on and realize how much you can't see that is literally within 300 yards of you. Um, I mean, there could be just goats tucked over the ledge, goats tucked in an avalanche chute and all that. So we saw some goats way off in the distance and, you know, kind of talked through, do we just send it and go for those goats? We knew that there were some billies in the group or do we stay where we're at and just, you know, be more diligent diligent about hunting the mountain that we're on um because again we could be 300 yards from something and not see it mm-hmm. so we were we ultimately decided to stay where we were um and just we kind of were sidling across this mountain um just trying to be diligent look up look down look in each little pocket little shoot and uh we were kind of going ahead and mark was Mark, I saw his eyes light up big. He's like, goat, like 200 yards up here. 
you know, he kind of comes back, we grab the spotter, we sneak up, we go to take a look. And I don't know, dude, like something about that moment. I was just like, this is it. Like, even before he said goat, Tyler on day one had told me like, this is all going to happen the way it's meant to happen. It was like a passing comment that Tyler said. And for whatever reason that came in my mind, like literally within a minute of Mark then spotting this goat. And I was like, man, I was just thinking that like, it's going to happen. It's going to happen. Now here we're on a goat. I could tell Mark like had some excitement about the goat that he saw. Um, and I was just like, man, this is going to be it. This is freaking awesome. So we sneak up and like get the spotter set up. And I, I saw the goat through my binos, but the way it was facing, I didn't get a great look at it. And, uh, it would, I would have had a really nice shot set up kind of like side hill and ended up being a nanny. And I was like, you gotta be kidding me, man. Like, dang it. I thought that was it, you know? And, uh, so we kept hunting this whole time, man, we, I forgot to mention, we've been seeing a lot of bears, um, a lot of grizzly bears and the, there were so many berries out like blueberries and a bunch of other types of berries. And, uh, the bears were just gorging on berries. You'd see their giant piles of berry crap everywhere. Um, it was fun to be able to eat blueberries too, like right on the mountain, but we'd been seeing a ton of bears. We ended up getting within like somewhat accidentally 200 yards of a sow and a cub on this mountainside and just watching them was a blast. Um, we kind of kept circling around and then sat to take like a little break. We all ran really low on water that day and we grabbed some water and then we were kind of sitting, taking a break and a big boar grizzly bear was probably like 800 yards out and ended up feeding its way within like 120 yards of us and just watching that, you know, work its way in and feed over 20 or 30 minutes was a lot of fun. It, finally ended up cutting, catching our wind and spooked off. And then it was funny that boar actually went up the mountainside that the sow and cubs was on and kind of like ran at them and they had an encounter. So just like watching the bears was definitely a ton of fun. And Justin has a lot of good footage. Um, but yeah, dude, like we never, we had that nanny and we never saw any more goats really that day. And then at the same time in that afternoon, the visibility was just getting terrible. Like we were, we were on the edge of a giant bowl with a ton of country that I'm sure held goats, but by late afternoon, there was basically zero visibility to look into that country. Um, and at this time, dude, like day seven, so many delays now we're back on the mountain but now we lose visibility for quite a few hours again um like it definitely no part of me ever was like giving up but at the same time i was getting frustrated by the conditions yeah and like discouraged with how much the conditions were limiting you know what i wanted to be doing so um yeah, dude, we set camp on the mountain that night. It was a windy night, um, but everything was good. Just before, um, like within an hour of sunset that night, we saw a big group of probably nine goats. And we're hopeful that there was a good billy in there. They weren't too far off. 
Um, we didn't have time to make an approach on that day, but it was like, all right, let's glass these, um, look over them. We'll be in a great position to make a move in the morning. Um, and out of those nine goats, there's only one Billy and he was a really young Billy. Um, so it was just like, gosh, dang it. Like the visibility finally broke. Now we see nine goats and I'm thinking, all right, nine goats, there's gotta be a, you know, a decent Billy in here. Nope. Just like one super young Billy. Were they starting to rut or is that still later in the year? Still later. Okay. Yeah. So it would be unusual for their ability to be with the nannies. Yeah. I was just hopeful. I was <laughs> like, there's nine, there's gotta be a good Billy. But yeah. <laughs> yeah. At this point, like the Billies we were seeing were um, either for the most part, solo or even with other Billies kind of like in a little bachelor group. Yeah. Okay. And they may be in the same, like basin is other goats, but they weren't, you know, mixed among them. Yeah. With them. Um, yeah. Yeah. They weren't with them. So yeah, dude, that was, that was the end of day seven. Um, I was, you know, pretty discouraged day eight woke up and again, like you just kind of have to choose your mindset. So I just, I woke up and it was like, all right, man, I'm waking up on a mountain in Alaska, like at the end of the day of zero to complain about, like, it's a great day to be here. Let's make something happen. Um, you know, just reminding myself how quick anything can change, like new positive day, new mindset. And at the same time, I was literally like packing up camp and Mark never said anything this whole time you know, like, Oh, we got to get this done or any had no urgency, no like concerns, you know, always had a good attitude. But that morning he like came over to me as I was packing up my tent and stuff. And he was just like, man, this isn't the way it's supposed to work. Like we're working harder than, you know, pretty much all the other hunts that I do covering country, being diligent. And, you know, I just, I can't believe you haven't had a, an opportunity by now. Um, you know, and hunting's hunting, but he has, he's at least had every client get a shot opportunity. Um, the only clients that he's had go home without a goat are, you know, clients that have quit or clients that have basically messed something up, right? Like messed, missed, whatever. Missed, yeah. um, so, you know, he's like, I know you won't quit. And all that, he's like, I just want you to know, like, we're going to get you a goat. Like, if it doesn't happen now, we'll figure something out. I'm going to have you back up here. Like, you know, we're going to make this happen, which I really appreciated. But at the same time, I was also like, oh, man, like, we're, we're so down to the wire that he's even thinking about that. <laughs> uh, like, oh, crap. Really screwed. Yeah, I'm really screwed. So I was like all in a like super positive mindset. He wasn't being negative, but he was like, I think just encouraging me like, man, don't, don't stress, whatever happens, we're going to, we're going to make this work. So, you know, we were basically hiking into a new basin that morning. We had great weather. Um, we kind of went around, had to come up and over this ridge and get to this giant new basin, a glass, all new country, again, stuff he's never been in. Um, but looked great. And we get into it and like, just start to get on the edges of it and pick it apart and look at it. And dude, hopes couldn't be higher. Like this was great looking country, both, you know, scenic wise, but just great goat habitat. Um, 
everything looked fantastic. And, you know, by that time, it's early to mid-morning, that the time that we got over there after making this climb. And all morning below us, the clouds were really low. And Mark mentioned at one point, he's like, I hope that stuff doesn't rise up here. And sure enough, man, like, probably from 9.30 on, maybe 10, we zero visibility. So it's literally day eight. We're in amazing country. And dude, like nothing, zero visibility. Uh, we like, it was such a tease to get a taste of this basin and so excited to work into it and glass it and confident that there's goats in here. And we like, we had to drop and get some water and we got that. And then we're hiking back up to like where we we're going to glass from and everything just rolled in. And we like the four of us sat behind a rock for four hours. It was like no visibility, um, super misty and windy and cold. And there was, there was nothing, there was like nothing we could do. And we all just kind of sat behind a rock, <laughs> um, and passed the time. And we kept thinking it's going to break. It's going to break. It's going to break. It's going to break. And it never freaking did. Um, by like early to mid afternoon, it didn't look like it was going to break. There was no signs of it breaking. And, uh, you know, I was debating in my head, like, do we drop really low? Like, maybe this is something we can get under. Do we go even higher? Is this something we can get above? Like, is there visibility somewhere? Because I'm frustrated at feeling mm -hmm. like I'm out of control and can't hunt, right? Mm -hmm. um, and Mark basically recommended these, like, you know, we were going over maps and stuff. And he was like, hey, I think if we get up to this saddle um, up here, we're basically going to be on the edge of three different basins. The one we're in one off the back side, and then one kind of over um, to like a side edge. He's like, if we get up there and get any visibility, we are going to be able to see a lot, a lot of country. And uh, I was, you know, I think we were all sick of sitting behind a rock at that point for hours. So we just hiked, um, hiked in the fog, went to the very top. It never broke. Um, we set up camp like on this tiny little saddle and literally I was just like praying that there'd be visibility tomorrow, but tomorrow is also day nine, like the last day of the hunt. And we were way far away from where we started. And again, I know Mark's willing to do whatever, but I also know, all right, he doesn't want to come down in the dark. Like it's going to yeah, take yeah. us. Start hours doing the math and hours in your head. <laughs> to get out of here yeah dude i started doing the math in my head and i'm like oh gosh got to like 10 a.m so we yeah like we spent that whole evening nothing ever broke um went to bed that night like i kept waking up and you could like everything was just damp like i just knew we were in the clouds and in fog um it was a really still night so i had like I was like, dang it, there's no wind to blow this off. Like, no system is moving. Everything's wet and damp. Uh, heavy condensation in the tents. I was like, dang it, we're just in it. And was up on an awful lot that night. And then woke up before sunrise and, like, literally pushed my vestibule up to peek out. And I was like, there's going to be visibility. 
so it was up before the sun and then the sun you know finally started to see some light over the mountains and one of the coolest sunrises i've ever seen and it was it was trippy to go to sleep in the saddle and to look at the map and know that you're in a spot with like a mm. really cool look into these three different basins. But we, I mean, 20 feet of visibility is all we had the whole time. And then you wake up and now the sun's coming up from behind these mountains. And I felt like I could see a hundred miles in every direction. Um, like the contrast between going to bed and waking up was, could not have been further apart. And uh, I was like, all right, here we are. Last day, got visibility sunrise was hard to put into words this whole place like just unbelievably spectacular and so all four of us were you know as soon as we like every second of light we can get that's coming we're glassing and we spotted some goats pretty far out um in the opposite direction of where we needed to be going but goats I focused on those was getting in the spotter. Uh, Mark and I determined there was a Billy there. Tyler kind of hiked up from the saddle to a, this little peak to look off into the side basin. Pete came back and said he saw some goats, but they were like kind of tucked down these cliffs. Um, wasn't for sure. Didn't get a great look to see if there was a Billy or not. So we kind of talked like, all right, we've got these goats off in the distance. Uh, we got some goats up over here. Um, there's a lot of country we haven't covered yet because this is all us taking advantage of every second of light. This is just what we've seen so far. So we're, you know, we're weighing how much time do we sit here in glass? Um, do we go make a play on the distant goats? Do we go make a play on these goats over here tucked in these cliffs that we didn't get a great look at? And ultimately at the end of the day, I was like, all right, we know that there's, a shooter Billy in this group. I don't feel like we need to, to chase other things or, you know, to sit around and wait. Like this is the last day. And I just I told the guys, like, if you're, if you're up for it, like this is a long way and it's in the wrong direction, but there's a Billy, like this is the end of the trip. It's the last day. And there's a Billy. I feel like we need to go after the one Billy that we know exists right now. <laughs> And they were all game. I mean, these guys like busted their butts. I can't say enough about any of them and how hard they worked all week, not only physically, but like everybody had a good attitude. Like it just couldn't be with a better group of dudes. And, you know, I kind of even talked with Mark. I'm like, if we commit to chasing these goats, regardless of what happens, we're literally going on the far opposite end of the mountain range from where we started. Um, He's like, I'm fine with it. Like, we'll figure it out. We're going to have to go off the mountain that way. Like, we'll hitchhike. We'll do whatever we have to do. We'll figure it out later. So, everybody's on board to, like, let's go do it. Oh, so, how far um, off are we talking? Um, Like, 1,200 yards. But the country between us and them was, like, it was going to take us a couple hours for sure. Yeah. Okay. Um, we had to come way off the saddle, down this giant... Um, boulder field across this snow slide like there was there's a big cut between us and them it was typical deceiving like they're there and you can see them but when you start piecing together 
what's between you and them. It's like, Oh, okay. Um, so we, you know, we committed, it was kind of full send. Like once we go this way, we're committed. Um, made that long approach. We tried to keep, you know, some cover used terrain between us and them as we were getting closer. We ultimately got to a spot. We were probably seven to 800 yards away where we were going to be pretty exposed for a while. Um, and we knew that based on their position that we would be in full visibility. So we had packed Tyvek suits. So we all threw the Tyvek on um, and were full white and made this approach. And it was kind of like, if we get, if we can crest this like little rise over here and the goats stay where they're at, um, I'm going to have like a three to 400 yard shot. And as long as I'm stable and the wind's good and everything else, like totally comfortable with that all day. And so we're in the whites and we're exposed for a long time. And the goats, like we're looking our direction. They no doubt saw us. And we're just like, we had to disappear for a while before we crest this rise. And we're just like, gosh, I hope when we crest, they're still going to be there, you know? And that, that alone was fun. Just like we're marching at these goats, like wearing these white suits and they're looking at us curious but not spooked you know Mm -hmm. and so we we come over the crest and look up and see a goat and we can tell there's another goat behind it um mark and tyler were kind of getting the spotter set up i was right away like getting behind the rifle getting the rifle set up um and just being prepared and so as they're kind of taking a closer look at the goats i'm getting set up to shoot um you know, one of the two, I forget who was like, well, that front one's the nanny, but I think the Billy's behind it. We just need, you know, the Billy to step out or the nanny to move out of the way type thing. Mm-hmm. And so I'm getting set up super comfortable, was basically prone right on this rise, um, just dead solid, just waiting for that opportunity, 100% confident. And the, that front nanny gets out of the way. And we get a better look at the goat behind it. And it's another nanny. And by this time, it's probably like, I don't know, 10 a.m. or something. And we knew, like, before we approached these goats, I don't know if I mentioned this, but there's two nannies, a billy, and a kid. We knew that there was those four goats. And so now we, we realize, okay, the two that are visible are the two nannies. There was... We had no idea where the kid was, no idea where the Billy was. I was like, I thought this was it, man. Like it was the last day we made this approach. We were in the whites. We snuck in. It worked. I crested. I couldn't have been more steady, had great visibility, fully confident in the shot. And it was just like two names. And like in that moment, I was like, dude, this was it. Like, that was supposed to be it. Like this was the last day. This was my shot, you know? Um, it was just, it was like weird. Like the day before when we were stuck in the clouds all day, I was beginning to process what it was going to be like to come home from this trip, not having killed a goat. Like it was day eight. We had zero visibility. I knew the last day was next. So like mentally, again, I'm not, I never gave up. Like I know anything can happen, but I'm starting to like grasp, like, what is it like to go on this trip that I've waited for so long and like invested in 
And these guys have given so much of their time. Like so many people have given so much for me to have this opportunity. And it's a dream of mine. Like what's it going to be like to go home without this coming together? Like I was so close to that. And so many people gave so much, like I was just going through all of that the day before. And then when, when I realized it was both those nannies and then we kind of, we waited for a while, hoping that Billy would step out. We had no idea where he was, never stepped out. It was just kind of like, oh crap, like that was it. Like, okay. All that stuff I've been thinking about for the last, you know, day, day and a half of like, what is it going to be like for this not to come together? Like, I just had my shot (laughs) and it didn't come together. And uh, I don't know. It was freaking weird. Like, it was disappointing. And at the same time, it was also like, I don't know. I just had peace. So it is, it was what it yeah. was. Yeah. And then, so we had dropped our packs kind of before that last little approach. So we went to our packs. Um, we took off the Tyvek. I think everybody was just kind of like, nobody was down. Nobody said anything, but everybody kind of realized like that was the, that was the final hurrah. Like that was the opportunity, you know? Um, we have to get off this mountain and we're still not sure how to get off this mountain. We're going down stuff, you know, marks never came up. We broke that rule. We're not going to get off before dark. We're breaking that rule. Uh, we're going to have to hitchhike back to the truck. That's on the different side of the mountain range. Like, okay. And Mark was like, well, let's, you know, they were on this little, this little mountain, this little rise. He's like, let's go. We got to work that way anyway to get out of here. Like, let's go side hill it. And, you know, we don't know where the Billy's at, but maybe we can turn him up. Like maybe something will happen. And uh, so we did, we kind of went right at, went right at the mountain. Um, Side hill and around it. It was just super steep. Um, It was basically scrambling across it. And, uh, all of a sudden Mark's like, go, go. And it was like straight up through this boulder field, 300 yards. He could only see a little piece of it. He, he got the spotter from Tyler and was like looking for a really long time at this goat. And in my head, I'm like not getting my hopes up at all. Cause I'm like, if it's taking you this long, yeah, this yeah. is not a Billy, you know, like the longer you sit there, the more I'm like, Oh, all right. Another freaking nanny. Right. Mm. And then he just, he goes to Tyler. He's like, why don't you come take a look at this? And Tyler gets down there and he gets down on the glass and doesn't say much. And he's looking at it for a while. (laughs) I'm like, screw this guys. Like, uh, I ended up going down there and I had my, uh, we were using my spotting scope and I had my phone with, you know, the phone scope adapter. So I crawled down to Tyler and I'm like, let's throw my phone on there. So Tyler and I are then looking at it through the phone. And in my head, I'm like, it was just in a weird spot where we could only really see a little bit of it. And it was all head on. And I'm like, I see pretty good mass, but, and I actually felt really comfortable this whole trip judging goats. Like it was like pleasantly surprised. Mm-hmm. But at the same time, there were some nannies that were pretty deceiving when you're only looking at bases. And this was one of those, like, it looks like good Billy mass, but like, until we get a different look, I, I can't say for sure. And I think that's why they weren't saying anything. 
it was just all head on. And it, it was a weird, like very, you know, we're looking at it very uphill, very steep. It was just a weird look. And Tyler and I are looking and we have my phone running in the, um, the goat turns its head and almost like immediately we get that side profile and you can hear Tyler and the video be like, Oh, that's a Billy. That's a Billy. <laughs> we just saw that nice sweep. Yeah. And, uh, so we had the Billy located zero, zero shot opportunity. Like what we could see of it, couldn't see anything, couldn't see chest vitals, no way to get a shot. And, um, so it was like, Oh crap. Like, okay, there's a Billy. And Mark's like, we need to try and get, get up mountain to come at it, you know, kind of more side hill. And, but dude, this whole thing was like boulders and we're like literally using hands and feet to try and climb and very, we didn't have good visibility to where he was at any time. So like keeping a reference point on like how much ground are we gaining on him and where are we going to pop out and where's the nannies? Like, are they going to bust us? Like, I'm still not getting my hopes up too much, even though there's a Billy. And uh, anyway, we climb a bunch and kind of Mark peeks over and, and sees the Billy and it's like, he's right there. We don't have a good look, but he's right there. And, um, he's like, you're going to need to go ahead and go first and like get in position um, and all that. And I kind of crest and it, when he said he's right there, like in, in my head, I went to like, he's very, very close. He's right there. And we were coming up and over this rise. And so, you know, as I'm going ahead by myself, I hadn't spotted the goat yet. Like I'm coming over this rise, like looking much more closer in proximity and first of like, I don't see him. Like, I don't see him. And Mark kind of pointed up further. And he's like, he's right there. And he was, he ended up being like 200 yards, like further out and up on this kind of like opposing little finger ridge. So I saw him and he was basically bedded and pretty much facing right at us. And so I'm still like, man, I don't know that I have a shot. But, you know, let me try and get set up for a shot and just see if he moves or if we're going to try and make a move or, or what can happen. And we were just in this massive kind of like boulder field and getting any sort of stability and shooting position was tough. Like at one point I was laying over this boulder and whatever was under my feet to keep me from sliding down slid out from under me. And Mark was like grabbing rocks to try and put them under my feet to keep me from sliding down um, and all kinds of just craziness. I think at one point he was literally just holding my feet as I'm trying to like get set. And, uh, you know, in doing that, I was looking through the rifle scope and all that. And I, I saw a better look at, at the Billy's position. And I knew like I have a little window I can work with now if the Billy doesn't change positions or if we don't try and make him stand. But if I'm going to remotely consider this shot, I need to be like steady, steady. Like I got to thread the needle here mm. and I would just never got fully comfortable. And I just thought I told him, I was like, guys, this isn't going to work. I got to move. So I kind of abandoned this whole setup. I was trying to get and went further up and like got in a totally different position. And I was like, I don't I don't know what I was, uh, it was just so tough. I, I crossed my feet and like wedged in between rocks 
and then kind of like sat to the side. And then my upper body was like over a rock and it was just all kind of twisted and weird. But I finally got to the point where I was like pretty dang steady. And, uh, you know, it's like, I think I'm good. And then I just kind of was real patient. The goat didn't know we were there. And got to the point where I was like, okay, I'm steady. Like I can make this happen. And so I just kind of, I flipped off the safety, safety. I told the guys I'm going hot. Um, you know, Justin wanted to try and film everything and he was rolling. And basically the Billy was bedded facing me and his body was just slightly turned enough where I'm literally shooting him head on, but I just have like a window of his body to the, uh, what was my left view, his right shoulder, my left view to like sneak one in his shoulder. And I'm literally like, okay, I got to stay left or I'm going to shoot him in the face type thing. You know, I got to sneak one in that shoulder and, uh, was in that weird position. We got super steady and, and fired one off, squeezed it off. And I didn't see the impact being 200 yards in my weird position, like under recoil, I didn't see it, but a nice thing about shooting suppressed is I heard it smack them. And then, um, I was trying to kind of get reset from that position and I, you know, I heard Marco get another one in him. And as I got back in the scope, he was just kind of getting up to his feet. He struggled to get up to his feet because I took his shoulder out big time. But he just kind of got up and was broadside. And I got a second one in on broadside, like high shoulder on the other side. And he just dropped. And so he drops and he's on this little ledge, like getting ready to fall. And he's just like pawing a tad. And... And Mark goes, get one more in him just to make sure he stays there. So, you know, I'm reloading and I send a third one and the third one smokes him. And as soon as that third one hits him, he like falls off the cliff and disappears. Um, so instead of anchoring him, that third one, like just hit that, hit him. And like, he went sailing. So holy crap, man. Like it was literally, it was unbelievable. I did not at all think that I was going to have the opportunity. And then all of a sudden still have no idea where this goat went couldn't recover it. It fell in this avalanche shoot that we had zero visibility to We could like hear it rolling. And then we saw rocks come out of the bottom of the avalanche shoot, but didn't see the goat come out. So we figured he got hung up in there. But um, as you can imagine, like four of us were just like on cloud nine at that point, um, all super excited and, uh, Dude, it was just crazy. So the recovery ended up being a whole nother story, the sketchiest stuff that I've probably been in and done. And I think Tyler would say the same thing. We both like got kind of cliffed out um, trying to look for this goat. Um, he ultimately, me, Tyler, and Mark, were, were all trying to find him in kind of these different little avalanche shoots separately. Tyler glassed him. He was hung up in like this tree. Mark was the closest. He got over to him and he basically said, he's here, but we can't work on him here. I'm going to have to get him out of this tree. And as soon as I do, he's going to go. So he had to like free him from the tree. And as soon as he was free from that tree, he just went tumbling down the mountain further. Um, and then we finally got him, you know, he stopped at a point where we had literally probably like a four foot, 
you know, square to kind of actually fully recover them. And that's when I was able to put my hands on them for the first time. And we got some photos and dude talk about like just a lot of ups and downs and here it is day nine midday and uh holy crap man (laughs) it all (laughs) finally came together it was crazy crazy man jeez wow man that's cool i i obviously justin was there filming the whole hunt and it's like after talking to you i can't wait to see that thing be put together because jeez if you capture it half as good as the story was it's gonna be an awesome video (laughs) Um, yeah, it was, it was wild. Dang, so what, what time were you like 11 o'clock noon now? Yeah, it was like 1130 to 12, somewhere right okay. in there. And um, what time is it getting dark? So how many hours do you got to cut them up, load them up, hike out country? You've never even been out before. Yeah. So sunset was right at 630. So it stayed, you know, light a little bit after that. Um, basically he was in, like I mentioned earlier, me, Tyler, and Mark were kind of in these three little avalanche shoots and all three of those funneled into one giant avalanche shoot that came down off the mountain. Mm-hmm. Um, so we, we, you know, we could see kind of like all the way down this big avalanche shoot, which was all just loose rock. And you could see it just hits this giant patch, big long stretch of alder. And at the end of the alder, there's a big Creek bottom and that creek bottom runs out as we're looking to it to the left and drops more elevation and goes um, actually down to the lake where we started out on, on day one. Um, but our boat's not over there. The truck's not over there. Nothing's over there. So um, long story short, yeah, we shot, I probably shot him between 1130 and 12 and we got back to the truck uh, about nine hours later, like between 830 and nine that night. Um, had to do quite a bit in the dark still, um, you know, took care of the goat, took some pictures, hiking down that avalanche chute was all loose rock. And then you're about sick of that and hating life. And then you get to a bunch of really thick alders and dude, I, I literally can't tell you how many times I fell packing that goat up. Um, just everything was loose. And then when we got to the alders, there was a bunch of big boulders in the bottom of the alders, but you couldn't see it because of the alders. Um, and all that stuff was wet and there's devil's club. I mean, it was, it was just bad. Nowhere, nowhere near close to the heaviest pack out I've done. Like it was a goat split, split between the three of us. Um, but in terms of like terrain and all that, it was, it was pretty brutal. And then the last, you know, we got down towards the lake. It was, we were finally at elevation. It was all flat, but there was, we're like looking at it and I was like, okay, we need to get like 0.7 miles as the crow flies from where we popped out of the lake to where basically the parking lot was. And, and Mark had sent an inreach message to a guy that he knows. And that guy thankfully went and picked up our truck from the opposite side of the mountain range and dropped it off at the boat ramp for us. Oh, no way. So the truck did end up being there, which was amazing. But we're looking at it, and it's like, all right, we made it out of out of the climb, like out of the descent. We're 0.6 or 0.7 miles of the crow flies from where the truck is, and it looks to be pretty flat. But we can, like, hook around this old, what used to be, like, an old Jeep trail, or we can just, like, set a course and go for it type thing and go straight. And w- which we did, but 
I think everybody was so hopeful to get out of the descent, but that last 0.6 miles was just thick bush, just brush whacking like everything. So anyway, it was, it was a long, it was a long day. Like those guys, obviously this was day nine of several long days, but um, it was a lot of work, but such a cool, like when you talk about, true adventure right like we've said before like true adventures when there's a good good chance of failure and where my head was at dealing with the setbacks like the ups and the downs the coolest country i've ever been in watching goats and then dealing with the lays and then getting to day eight losing the whole day to visibility and just like beginning to try and process not having this hunt come together. Um, and then it ultimately coming together, uh, dude, it was just, there's so many ups and ups and downs that all I can say, it was a true adventure, man. Like just highs and lows and how it all came together was as Tyler said on day one, it's going to happen the way it's meant to happen. And that's really what it feels like at this point. But to be honest with you, I had already like mentally, put myself in the place of, okay, this is probably not going to happen. I know it could, but it's probably not like, and then to come back from that, I don't know, man, like it was just a roller coaster of (laughs) stock and adventure and awesomeness and a grind. It was, it was amazing. That's pretty cool, man. Well, congrats. Thank you. It's just uh, well-earned sounds like it's a badass story. It's such a tricky thing, you know, like you want to go up there and be successful and you don't want it to happen right away. And you don't, you don't want to have it come down to the, the last minute on day nine. And, uh, yeah, but that's, um, yeah, the, the, the better, the, it's the better story, the better memories. Uh, it's always when it, you know, when you overcome adversity and, um, certainly this one's going to rank at the top of your list, I imagine. Yeah. It's just like, I've experienced hunts like this before, thankfully, where things come together on the last day, right? Like the whole last day cliche, like with hunting experience, I've realized that to be true, but you like on a nine day hunt, when you get to day eight and you haven't, nothing's happened and you don't have visibility, you still also begin to go, oh crap, you know? Um, But just like having this experience as one of several now where it just reinforces what is easy to say, but hard to live. And that's just never give up. Right. Like it's not done till it's done. And, you know, it may be down to the last few hours on the last day of any hunt, but that hunt is still not over till it's freaking over. Like until it is over, it's not over. Um, so it's just cool to like actually experience that, not just talk about it or say it. Right. Yeah. It was cool, man. Guys were beat up. We were all full of devil's club and thorns and everybody had crazy bruised up shins from falling. And I broke a trekking pole. Mark lost a trekking pole. My rifle looks like it's, you know, been launched to Mars and back. Like, um, it was a freaking rugged hunt, but God, it was so cool. So cool. So awesome. man. I'm so happy for you guys. Yeah, excited to uh, super excited to watch that film <laughs> it's, uh, yeah to discuss how justin puts it together and yeah it's gonna be cool to see yeah so yeah probably for people hearing that probably not till i don't know 
December, January or something like that. We actually put something out, but uh, Justin did a great job filming the whole thing. And now we just got to figure out what's there and how do we want to put it together to help tell the story? Cause it could be a long story if we wanted it to, obviously this podcast was so. Um, yeah. And then I mentioned this in the intro to this podcast, but uh, I have an article um, up along with this podcast as well. Just kind of, I have my full gear list there. Um, and then kind of some lessons learned and a few things that stood out. So in terms of that practical stuff, if you guys are, hearing this on the podcast and want to kind of get the exact nitty gritty on everything I took up there, what I did and didn't use. And then um, what kind of stood out as well as kind of some lessons I learned. I'll leave the link in the show description to go check all that out. We'll have to uh, get Tyler on here and, and maybe uh, do a recap of kind of gear and things that worked and didn't work for you guys. Yeah. It'd be fun to do that as a group, like with him and Justin and hear what they're, lessons learned and experience was and what stood out from them for sure. Cause I'm sure that they have takeaways that were different than me. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. All right, man. Well, uh, yeah, the fun to tell the story. It's the first time I've actually told the whole story, but we got elk to go chase here in a bit. So we got to get after it. Yeah. Yeah. Hopefully we're, uh, don't quite have, quite have that much adventure. <laughs> Just get in there and get some elk <laughs> killed right away. But if it comes down to it, it comes down to it. Well, there you have it, guys. Um, I hope you enjoyed that story. And once again, look for the link in the show description if you want to head over to the EXO site and get my complete gear list for this specific hunt, read some lessons learned, um, see some of the gear highlights, and see some photos as well. So um, excited to share more in the future with the video. Um, however that comes out uh, will be to be determined. But Thank you guys so much um, for tuning in, not only to the story, but just your general support of the podcast and everything else. We truly do feel fortunate to have um, you guys not only listening in, but just the the audience that we have. Like You guys are great and engaged, and uh, it's fun to get support from you guys, and at the same time, have you reach out and tell us about your hunts and your stories as well. So if that's something you want to share with us, send an email anytime to podcast at Exo Mountain Gear. We would love to hear about your hunts and see some photos from your adventures and maybe even have you on the podcast in the future. So stay in touch. Good luck with the rest of your season. If you haven't yet, hit subscribe or follow in your podcast app so that you receive future episodes automatically. And we'll talk to you soon.